If you will, look at the verse of Colossians 1, 13 and 14. Let me read it to you. It said, He has rescued us from the domain of darkness, transferred us into the kingdom of the Son He loves. We have redemption, the forgiveness of sins in Him. Let's pray. Father, help me to be a plain preacher today, so plain that a child would understand me. Help me to be in tune to your Holy Spirit. Any word of knowledge you give to me to speak to a person or their situation, Lord, if you prompt me with it, I want to be obedient to speak to it. And then, Lord, you look at all of us, but you see me differently today. I'm your teacher, your preacher. On me is a great judgment, a more strict judgment than anybody in this room can put on me. And it's by you. And I know that, and I accept my place in rightly dividing your word. So in the name of Jesus, I pray his name that I preach. Amen. Be seated. It's good to see you all. Good to see all of you, some from other churches, uh, where you're not at your place of worship, but you joined us. And I've, I've known you over 30 years of being here. So I just want to thank you for being here today and uh, uh, let you know you are welcome here. And we appreciate your faith and the work of the churches that you all are a part of in the area. Today, we're going to give you, and I do this every year at the beginning of the year, uh, just some things that are near and dear to the workings of our church. And today, we're going to give you our core values. Uh, you see them on the loop if you get here early enough on Sunday morning. And our core values are two things. Number one, it is that we connect people to Jesus. Uh, is our core value. And then the second one is we live out our biblical story. Uh, you're going to go, well, most people have 10 core values. Why do you not have 10? Because you won't remember 10. Uh, that's why. And uh, you, you can remember a couple of them, but you won't remember 10 of them. And uh, we just don't want to give you a list that you don't pay attention to. So uh, we just connected. We put 10 core values and condensed them down into two. And the, the first one we're going to deal with today, and, and this is going to be a huge challenge to you. It is to me, it is to all of us. It's a good reminder, and you all, some of you all are here from different churches. This is something you can take back to your church as well. And um, that in connecting people to Jesus, you've got to figure out how you look at people. Now, a long time ago, I, uh, being a preacher's kid, there are times, even when I was in college, but much younger, uh, I would go with my dad to evangelism conferences and uh, spend time with him. Uh, so I've been to every kind of conference in the world. I've heard tons of preachers in my lifetime. But there were two evangelists out of Texas. So their names, they were brothers, and their names were Angel and Homer Martinez. And... Um, uh, I, I was in college, actually, and I'd gone to Elizabethtown to an evangelism conference to be with my dad. And so I was there with him, and I was listening to them preach. And uh, this is something they said, and even as a college student, when I r really wasn't uh, working toward ministry, and it's not that I wasn't a Christian, I was just, I was pretty worldly. And uh, I had my own plans and my own ideas. But this stayed with me. This is one of those that landed, you know, and you just don't know why. But this, is, this was one of their mantras when they, when they preached. And here's what they said. You, people are in one of two categories. They're, it's either 
it's either a person that Christ is already living in or it is a person that Christ has died for. And so we try, and I use the word try, we try to look at people in one of two ways. Uh, it's either a person Christ is living in already or it is a person that Christ died for. And I try not to look at people in any other way except for one of those two. 1 Corinthians 9, 19 through 23 has Paul, uh, and Paul is very serious about uh, people coming to know him. Very serious about it. Let me read this through you for, you for just a moment. For although I am a free man and not anyone's slave, I've made myself a slave to everyone in order to win more people. To the Jews, I became like a Jew, which he was. He was groomed to lead the Jewish people to win Jews. Those under the law, uh, like one under law, which he was a part of that too. Though I myself am not under the law to win those under the law, but to those who are without the Mosaic law, like one without the law, not being without God's law, but under the law of Christ, to win those without the law. To the weak, I became weak in order to win the weak. I have become all things to all people so that I might by every possible means save some. Now I do all this because of the gospel so I may become a partner in its benefits. Now, guys, it's not telling you to do something wrong and immoral or even illegal to be. Paul's not saying here that you, uh, you need to become something that you're not, but it's to use everything that you are. Uh, like I, I, uh, the earlier years of my life, I grew up around horses and uh, I used to show horses as a boy. You know, we always had horses and were involved and even got to quarter horses and roping a little bit and no, no rodeoing. But anyway, just this change. So, but that was only an early part of my life up to when Julie and I married, actually. But I can, I can talk to somebody about horses if I need to. Do you see there's things in your past, too, there are sports that you've played, places you've worked. It just goes on and on. You'll, you'll be able to use all kinds of connections that you have with people out of things that you've done so that you may be able to influence them for Christ. I love what Warren Wiersbe said. We need to be about building bridges and not walls. And we, we build bridges and we use things that we've done and may match somebody else's life as well. Uh, just coming in this morning, I, was, I said, man, I've milked on mornings this cold, you know, and some of you all have too. And these, these, these are just cold old mornings and you're, you're able to have conversations with things. God really uses all of it, doesn't he? And he uses all of it for able you can connect with somebody. And it, why do I connect with them? It's so that I may show them who Christ is. Proverbs 1130 uh, is the proverb, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. Uh, but, but violence, it, it, it takes lives. And it, it is, the picture here is that he who wins souls are the, are the person that is wise. Look at Acts 4.12. 
When we get into the soul of a person, there is salvation. I used it in my prayer earlier. There is salvation in no one else for there is no other name under heaven given to people and we must be saved by it than that being the name of Jesus. Uh, 1 Corinthians 1.18, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. Now, we can use this as a template. If people think that preaching, and specifically preaching of the cross, is really not necessary, it's telling me they're perishing people. But it is God's power, the preaching and the message of the cross is God's power to us who are being saved. Let me tell you at our church, it doesn't matter what lifestyle that you're in that is in a rebellion against the Lord. It doesn't matter. All of us must come, all of us must come to the cross of Christ. You, you can't get anywhere without, with Jesus without going to the cross. And that's where we lead people. We lead people. Just the greatest act of love ever given in, in the history of man is Jesus coming and dying for our sins and in our place. And we lead all people, we lead all people to Christ and we lead them to the cross. I love what some have said in, in uh, just even North American church planting. And that is some of us come to Christ from loose living and some of us come to Christ out of living around a Christian environment. But it doesn't make any difference. We all come to Christ in faith and trust in Him. No matter what background, Christian influence or loose living, it doesn't matter. We all, and, and how do we come to that relationship? It comes to where we meet at the cross with what He has done for us. Let me remind you, when we see people come to Christ, it's not us wishing bad people to be good, it's wishing dead people to have life. It's people in darkness to start living in light. So you, you could say, man, we got a bunch of bad people, they need to come to Christ and be good. That's not the picture. That's not the picture. The picture is we've crossed from death unto life. So it all comes to the cross. I want to give you an example of one of the disciples here that his whole life is about connecting people to Jesus. And that is the disciple Andrew. Uh, and I want, to, I want to begin in John 1, verses 40 and 42, and let me read it to you. Andrew, Simon's, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard John and his preaching, and they followed him. He then went and first found his own brother Simon and told him, we have found the Messiah, which is the word for Christ, which means the anointed one. He's the anointed one. And he brought Simon to Jesus. And when Jesus saw him, he said, you are Simon, son of John, you will be called Cephas, which means rock. And we know that Simon Peter, we even handled it last Sunday, didn't he? He preached that sermon at Pentecost and 3,000 people were saved on that day. I mean, we've got a guy here, Simon Peter, who denied the Lord about even being one that follows him to one who was reinstated by the Lord and become one of his greatest preachers. It says in tradition that Simon Peter was crucified. He was executed by crucifixion. But tradition has it that he asked to be crucified upside down because he wasn't worthy to be crucified like Christ out of all that he had done for him. So what do we see Andrew doing? 
Andrew first then goes and finds a family member and a brother and connects him to Jesus. We see Andrew again in John 6, 8, and 11. We see Andrew, but we, he, when you see him, he's always bringing people to Christ. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there's a boy, there's a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish. Sounds like a good lunch to me. But what, but what are they for so many? And we're here preaching and feeding the 5,000, which they believe to be 10 because they didn't count the women and children in that day. And uh, then Jesus said, have the people sit down. And there was plenty of grass in that place. I've had the opportunity to see the area where this happened. So they sat down and uh, the men numbered about 5,000. It said, then Jesus took the loaves and after giving thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated uh, and also with the fish and they, they, they had as much as they wanted. We know that when they collected the baskets from the other gospels, they, they brought, there was just one basket with fish and loaves and they brought back 12 after all they had said. Well, what's this got to do with connecting people to Jesus? That's all Andrew did. Andrew connects his, his brother to Christ, becomes one of the greatest preachers of the New Testament, even in church history. And then the next thing we know, we've got Andrew going, well, here's a boy with some lunch. And he, he's, he's bringing this boy and he's connecting him to Jesus. I just want to remind you, when you connect people to Christ, amazing things happen. Only Christ could see Simon Peter becoming the preacher that he became. Only Christ can see one basket of loaves and fish becoming enough to feed 10,000 people and have plenty left over. Only Christ can see that. So you need to know, as you lead people to Christ, it's not about counting them or just counting them as somebody that's been baptized within your church. It's you're, you're bringing people to Christ who can do amazing things through their life. And the picture of Andrew is like that. May we be like Andrew. He just simply connected people to Christ, and then we see an incredible and amazing result that happened. I want to take you to some other guys that I want us to be like. It's in Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. And I'm just going to read all this, and then we'll hit some of the high points. I just want you to encounter the word of this. When he entered Capernaum again after some days, it was reported that he was at home being Jesus. So many people gathered together that there was no room, not even in the doorway, and he was speaking the message to them. Then they came to him bringing a, a paralytic, a paralyzed man, a friend of theirs, carried by four men. Uh, since they were not able to bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, they removed the roof about where he was. And when they had broken through, they lowered the stretcher on which the, para the, the paralytic was lying. Now, hang on a moment. Just stop. Let's go. Let's get plain everyday life. Does this sound like a good idea to, to lower a paralyzed man through a roof? You know, I'm, I'm just going, what's the practicality of that, <laughs> you know? Uh, that I, I would think, well, we probably don't need to go through the roof. They're, they're already paralyzed. But then again, you might say, well, let's go ahead and take him through the roof. He's paralyzed. You know, there's two ways to, there's two ways to look at that. Uh, they lowered the stretcher on which the paralytic was lying. 
And, he, he, and the Lord said, seeing their faith, Jesus told the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. But some of the scribes were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does he speak like this? It's blasphemy. It's bla who, who can forgive sins but God alone, which they're suggesting this guy thinks he's God, which he is. Right? Right away, Jesus understood in his spirit that they were thinking like this within themselves. He read their minds, and he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Why are you thinking this and these things in your heart? Which is easier, to say to a paralytic, your, sons, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, pick up your stretcher and walk? But so you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He looked at the paralytic. He told them, I tell you, get up, pick up your stretcher, and go home. Immediately, he got up, picked up his stretcher, and went in front of everyone. As a result, they were all amazed, astounded, and gave glory to God saying we have never seen anything like this. When you bring people to Christ, whether it's Andrew bringing his brother Simon Peter or even the boy with a basket and his own personal lunch, the fishes and the loaves, when it comes to Jesus, amazing things happen. When you bring people like this to Christ, amazing things happen. So first of all, here's our challenge. May you and I be the four men. And I remember hearing an old country preacher say this, and I love old country preachers. The old country preacher said to this, your job in living out a life of faithfulness is just to pick up your corner of the cot and bring paralyzed people to this world. You're going, well, I know what's wrong with this, our world. And somebody else goes, well, I know what's wrong with our world. I, I think from scripture, this is a, a, a beautiful metaphor, an illustration. And what's wrong with our world, it's without Christ and it's paralyzed. And so what do we do? We just connect people to Christ. That's what we do. And then we watch and see what he does with these people. So the challenge today is just be one of the guys and just be responsible for your corner of the cot. And I want you to, I want you to know in the scripture, we don't know their names. We never know their names. And we need to do what we do in connecting people to Jesus without recognition. And be persistent. If we can't get to him through the crowds or through the normal doorway, then go through the roof. Uh, that's what I've loved about our church in, since 1998. We've not really been afraid to try something, you know? just to try and let's see what happens with it. Instead of getting in a format and a regimen of this is what we do, you've always been willing to try something different because we use all of our ways to, all we wanna do is see people come to Christ, connect to the Lord, and then grow and mature in, in the, into those people that he uses. So I wanna, I wanna challenge you, have faith like these guys. Have faith. Yes, we need to have faith that God can and trust God that he will, but you, we all begin with having faith that he can. Uh, yeah, I had a question asked to me a couple weeks ago. Do you ever give up on anybody? And I say, I try not to. Because I can look back in my own life. And you can look in yours. 
I just try not to give up. Some of us are going, well, this is who we're always going to be. Is that true? I mean, God is just working and growing us, no matter how old you are or how long you've been a Christian, how long you've been in the church. He's continually growing and maturing us and changing us, shaping us into the very person of Christ. So in this story, Jesus, we know, has the power to save, to forgive of anything that you've ever done, to restore you and to make, to make you new, just like he did the paralyzed man. And what happened? People were amazed. I've never seen anything like this before. So I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you. Be like Paul. Use everything, don't make anything up, but use everything in your life to be able to connect with people so that you may lead them to Christ. Be like Andrew, whether it's his brother coming to Christ or just a boy's lunch. We, we bring it to Christ and see what he does. And we be like the four men who carry the cot. I'm not responsible for the whole cot, but I'm responsible for my corner of the cot. And may we all, whatever corner of the cot God has given you, be sure you pick it up and carry a paralyzed world to the Lord. As I challenge you to be like Paul or to be like Andrew or to be like the four men carrying the cot, I have to ask you something. When the tensions of life get so strong, where do you go? Is you go to the Father. When they're so strong, you want to handle them a worldly way and you want to handle them an earthly way. Or you may say it, I want to handle it my way. We take it to the Father. Our world is sin sick. It's there. The temptations of this world are, it, it, this world is filled with them. And so when, where do you go? Where do you go? You, you, I, I get, I'm telling you and challenging you to connect people to Christ. Do you do that? Do you, do you take finances and just say, God, give me wisdom and what I am to do with this? I mean, even ask, God, when there's tension among my family, God, show me how to lead my family. Let your Holy Spirit make it clear in how to be able to lead it. Even when you're trying to win a friend and bring him to Christ and there seems to be some difficulty, Lord, show me how I can connect. You take the tensions of life, no matter what they are, and you bring them to the Father, and you have a way to the Father, and that way is through Christ himself. So where, where, do you, where do you take you and, and what's going on, the tensions in your life? That's where you encourage other people to do the same. Uh, our, second, our second core value, remember we only have two because you won't, you won't even read then. And that is live out your biblical story. Um, I'm reading my personal reading. I'm reading First, First Chronicles. And I just want to give you a little hint. The first nine chapters are nothing but lineage, genealogy, tribes, regions, pasture lands, all the sons that became warriors and who the temple workers are. I have pronounced more Hebrew names than you've probably ever seen in your life. 
And you know, when in scripture, when we read the begates and when we read the ancestry and the lineage and so-and-so had four sons and it, it just goes on. I've read nine chapters of that. I told a group this week, I said, I've read every word. I'm sitting there trying my best to pull my Hebrew from seminary and pronounce these names. Because when we get to those areas, you know what we do, right? We just skim it. There's just a bunch of L's in there. You know, everything ends in E-L or A-H or, you know, and we just skim it and it's like, eh, that's not important. And you know what? It is important. It wouldn't be there. And uh, every now and then in those first nine chapters, there'll be a little bit of a talk about a certain family and what they did in the temple or whatever. They were the, you know, thank God we don't operate it today because the praise team would have to stay here all night every day. You know, that's what the singers did in the temple. They, they spent, they had their own quarters and they stayed there and they sang all the time. And so it, it, it's just all this. I, I want to give credit to my son, Andrew, not the Andrew that we just had in scripture, but my son, Andrew, Julie and I. And uh, I remember we were talking about this one day and he goes, dad, you need to read all those names. And I said, Why? And he goes, because there's a story behind every name. He said, there's a story. You know what? I'm going to give Andrew props and credit here for that, of speaking into my life with that. There's a story in every person in this room today. There's a story. Not all of our stories are faithful. A lot of them are. But not all of them are. And the Lord has a story to tell through you. And it's going to be unique to you. You'll get to thinking and the enemy will tell you, and I'm telling you this out of a, a lot of years of ministry, that you will hear these glorious testimonies about how people were saved after taking a psychedelic drug and the Lord revealed himself, you know, and then they they got clean and then they gave their life to the Lord. And I, I just remember my, when I was a little boy of surrender my life to the Lord. Uh, it, it was just so simple. Uh, and I could tell the story, but I'll just leave it alone. It, but it, it, you know, I would hear these great testimonies and then I would get to thinking, well, mine was just a, a simple Sunday night with a guest preacher. And I guess I listened to the guest preacher because it meant my dad wouldn't preach and I hear him seven days a week, you know? Uh, and I paid attention and he preached on hell. And I realized on that night that I wasn't gonna go to heaven on the coattail of my father. That the only way I was gonna have eternal life was through his son. And I surrendered to that. But you, you take my little testimony in Summersville Baptist Church, compare it to a lot of these glorious testimonies, and here's what the enemy will do to you. He'll go, your testimony is not real flamboyant, so you must not be saved. And guys, don't, don't go comparing your testimony to somebody else's. We all are saved by coming to the cross and by faith and trust in Christ. 
Like I said earlier, whether it's from loose living or a Christian environment, we all come to Christ in exactly the same way. You're going to go, well, they were radically saved. Listen to their testimony. I was radically saved in Somersville Baptist Church on a Sunday night. And so were you. So we're, we're, we have unique stories. By the way, I've got a corny joke. You want to hear it? It just popped in my mind. You want to hear it? J.M., you want to hear it? You know how to catch a unique rabbit? Unique up on it. That's what you do. So there you go. So you all, you all, the Lord brought you here today to bless you with that, right? So we have unique lives. We have, I got to get you back. Uh, we, we have unique lives. Not everybody's story is the same. But here is what is the same. His, faithful to the, his faithfulness to us, all of us, no matter how unique your life is, will never change. And that's what our story is about. Our story is about how when you and I were faithless, God remained faithful to us. And you live out that story. And he's telling a story through your life. And so I, I pray that your life right now has an understanding of God's faithfulness to you. And then in return, your faithfulness to him. It's about how he leads us through. Look at Philippians 4, 11 through 13. And we just sang it before I came up to preach about how he leads us through. And a lot of us use this verse, especially one of these verses, especially verse 13 when we get to it, uh, when it comes to sports and competition. Don't say, don't say this out of need, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. None of us liked this week last week. Nobody, you know, nobody. And uh, it was a tough week, tough week on a lot of folks for lots of different reasons. But we learn whatever circumstance we're in to learn to be content. Uh, verse 12, I know both how to have a little and I know how to have a lot. In any and all circumstances, I've learned the secret of being content, whether I'm well-fed or hungry, or whether in abundance or in need. Uh, this is the verse that we use. You know, we put it everywhere, especially in sporting events. I'm able to do all things through him who strengthens me. And this verse right here, verse 13, is not uh, whatever you imagine, you can go do it. This is not a verse of I can do absolutely anything. It is a verse about God's giving you strength so that you can endure. And that's what a lot of our story is. I mean, I, 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 I was a pastor that helped people in grieving times, but I never knew the depth of it until our son-in-law died. And when Tom died in 2017, uh, I, I, I became a different pastor when it comes to grieving. I, I could only do what I knew, and my parents died, and my, my parents died. Julie's mother's dad, her grandparents became my grandparents because I didn't know mine. And we, we understand going through that and even old age. But the point of it is, uh, when this happened to Tom at the age of 31, it changed me in being able to understand grieving. I understood it a little bit, but I didn't understand it on the level that I did. And see, God, I have a testimony of how God was faithful and is bringing us through. You see, that's what your story is about. 
Not all of our life conditions are going to be the same, but the testimony of his faithfulness will always be the same. I'm able to get through anything that this world throws on me because he strengthens me. And I'm able to live out that story, and the story is of his faithfulness to me. And then in return, I surrender my life in faithfulness to him. He leads us through. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 6 through 13. Keep in mind, Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, descended from David, according to my gospel. I suffer for it to the point of being bound like a criminal, but God's message is never bound. This is why I endure all things, which matches that verse we just said. I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me. This is why I endure all things for the elect or the saved, so that they also may obtain salvation, which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. This saying is trustworthy, for we have died with him. We will also live with him. We're connected to him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, guess what? He remains faithful because he cannot deny himself. And he's faithful to save. We connect people to Jesus. He's faithful to save. And he's faithful in us living out our biblical story. We don't all go through the same things. We don't always have the same seasons of life. But the message we have is that God is faithful to us. When I didn't even have him on my mind, he remained faithful to me and he remained faithful to you. Connect people to Jesus, like Andrew, like Paul, like the four men on the cot. You'll see amazing things happen because Christ does amazing things. And then live out your story. He'll lead you through. He gave us a promise that he would lead us through. Let's pray together. Father, I pray over our people today. I pray blessing over them today. Lord, we thank you that we could have a day of worship publicly gathering. We thank you for that. And Lord, we're here to focus not only on how we were connected to you, but how we can connect others to you. And then, Lord, how we can live and tell the story of your faithfulness to us. And I love you for so many things, but I love you because of how faithful you were to me, even when I was faithless toward you. You were good. You were good when I didn't deserve it, we didn't deserve it. And you are a faithful, faithful God. And we want to tell that story to a paralyzed world. Lord, give us those divine appointments and the courage and the boldness to connect. It's in the name of Jesus that I pray and that we pray together. Amen. Church, would you stand? Counselors, would you come? I know we have a combination of two crowds here today, but uh, even if you're in the early service or the second service, you're a counselor, you come on. And the invitation is this, whosoever will, for whatever reason today, you come. The team's going to lead us. You respond.